On the other side of Texas, history has its place. On the other side of Texas, justice rules the case. They don't like it, they don't love it. They say we're all wrong, but on the other side of Texas halls, we roll along. Hey there, howdy. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for telling all your partners and friends that you hang out here. That's what we love that you do. Tell them that you hang out here on the other side of Texas. You don't have to listen locally on AM 580, the historic studios where Buddy Holly became famous, but you can listen on the podcast and otherwise. I'm your host, Jay West Texas Leeson, kicking this one off. And a uh, few things on my mind as we get ready for Bud Kennedy, the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, and Matt Dotre of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal here with us on this voyage of the other side of Texas. Your thoughts as we roll along via text 806-745-5800. That's 806-745-5800. You want to text in your thoughts. As we go along here, my really, I always appreciate feedback. Most of the feedback that I get on columns that I write, uh, column this past weekend, my place should matter in politics. I can't remember how they build it, but it's politics plays something this audience. I'm preaching to the choir at this point. Um, but got some nice notes on it. Appreciate one that I got from Clint. I'm writing to tell you how much I enjoyed reading your commentary. In the paper yesterday, I agree with everything you said. I grew up on a farm near a community called Spring Lake Earth, or Spring Lake, excuse me. Spring Lake Earth is a consolidated school district there. Um, talked about his bins and... Uh, the only way we survived the lean years was because of the farm program prom- promoted primarily by Democrats in Congress. We had electricity because of the rural electrification program. Our high school was built during the Depression by the WPA. Um, it's important to know, and I think about this a lot because whenever I talk about place, I always you don't want to uh, you just don't want to for me if my I want any of you to come into my house whenever I start critiquing and saying this is how things ought to be I want you to come to my house I want you to see how we live so that you're able to see that I'm not just out there preaching to preach or prophesying to prophesy um but to seeing that we've got to, you know, I've said this before on the program. My kids know this. I did youth ministry throughout college and the years afterwards. And what I learned in youth ministry was, and I'm going off script here, but whenever, in working with students, what I learned with an array of students from rural Petersburg to metropolitan Tulsa, is that all kids want at the end of the day is to belong to something. They want a tribe to belong to. And I don't mean to make a corollary for the next 
PBS front lines about gang membership and how people were deprived of what they should have had at home, so therefore they joined gangs. But I think that I think that kids want an identity, especially during that adolescent phase. If it's and it has to be infused before then, but during that adolescent phase, who am I? What am I? What do I belong to? And at our house, every morning when we roll up to school, and again, I don't want to sound preachy, but they know that my kids know the drill. I take an 11-year-old and two 9-year-olds and a 5-year-old to an elementary school. And we say this simple prayer, Dear Lord, help us to help, encourage, and listen today as you encourage and help and listen to us. Name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And but my kids know that what Leesons do is we encourage, we help, and we listen. And there are times that I've swayed from that and have it on this program at times. But that's my whole aim is to encourage, help, and listen. And back to the column. You cannot appreciate where you live unless you know the history of where you live and i'm sure that if we went up to spring lake and we looked in the last election on how they voted i would have to talk to those voters one by one to know why they voted the way they did but it's certainly not the way that their great grandparents did now before i get called out as saying well you just want them to vote democratic you want them to vote for aoc and vote for Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi no that's not what I'm suggesting here um, and by and large like my friend Brandon Darby I expect the Republican Party to bend uh, as much or more so than the Democratic Party but there has to be some middle ground and you know ask a lot about just starting a new party and maybe it's time for a West Texacan, West Texacrat party. I don't know, but this thing about just seeing local politics through a national lens is not working out for us. But appreciate the feedback I've gotten on the column this weekend. Big week this week in Lubbock. It may snow tomorrow, which is, you know, how often do you see that except for whenever it snows like 10 inches? But newscasts saying that it could snow up to an inch over the next 24 hours in Lubbock. Big news out of the Hub City. Uh, As we approach Saturday, it's Kansas week, KU week in Lubbock. And, uh, yeah, Randall on the text line, what about ropes? Um... FDR gave away land and ropes. How did they vote? I don't know. I'll have to go back and look at that. But the snow in the Hub City, the big new curse word at the Leeson Ponderosa, as I can report to you of events over the weekend, had the kids help me in building a new freestanding basketball goal because freestanding basketball goals are a terrible idea in Lubbock with the red flag warnings and the wind. Um, big new curse phrase is BAM IT! bam it and uh little charlie the five-year-old's taken up a 
our old basketball goal was also freestanding, but it didn't have 300 pounds of sand sitting on it like the new one does. Charlie, help me. He's so sharp. I'll say, Charlie, give me the 3-4 socket. Or, Charlie, give me the 9-1-6. Or, Charlie, give me the 1-2. And he's able to look down and see the 3-quarter, the 9-16ths, the half-inch, helping me build that basketball goal. But he might have heard Dad say something along the way that rhymes with Bamit, And uh, he said it one time, and I said, Charlie, you can't say that again. Uh, he said, but Dad, you said it. And I said, no, I said Bamit. And uh, now that's the new phrase at our, at our Ponderosa. Bud Kennedy coming up, as well as Matt Dotre will be in studio. Bud Kennedy calling in. Why don't we celebrate a Republican, Republican Texas Day? That's a uh, Republican, excuse me, Republic of Texas President's Day. Uh, that's going to be something we talk about as well as are Angela, is Angela Paxton along with her husband, the Attorney General, becoming the Clintons of Texas? That's what we're going to get into with Bud Kennedy. Stay right where you are. More coming up on the other side of the other side. Appreciate you hanging in here with us. Quickie break. Be right back. It's loud enough. You got to yell Hey, welcome back in. Other side of Texas, we uh, like to go to our friend Bud Kennedy, Fort Worth Star-Telegram each, well, not each Monday, maybe we'll make it each Monday, but uh, from time to time on Monday, Bud Kennedy. Hey, uh, Bud, is Fort Worth West Texas or not? Fort Worth is where the West begins, Jay. That's something that has been the city's slogan for nearly 100 years now, that Fort Worth is where the, the edge of the West begins. Dallas is eastern and southern. Fort Worth is cowboys and western. The cowboy way starts in Fort Worth, Texas. Now, we argue about exactly where in Fort Worth the West begins. People say it begins on Main Street at the stockyards. I think it begins on Throckmorton, where you have the last kind of old eastern style bookstores there at Throckmorton and 8th there's no, nothing like it anywhere to the west uh, some people think it's west to town when you get out in the rolling prairie and the mesquite trees and it starts looking like the west but Fort Worth is where the west begins okay but our friend I, I assume you know Sam Gwynn C.S. Gwynn yes um, he, he gives the account of Randall McKenzie rolling out of Fort Worth to come up and take out Quanta Parker and the Comanches up in this part. But I think the operative phrase there is the prepositional phrase from Fort Worth is where Reynolds McKenzie rolled out of. Well, I mean, rolled out, of course, the fort was actually here for four years. It was a fort to protect Dallas from the Comanches and from the other tribes. Was it and from so, from the stockyards? And because I think that's the, important to the last uh, situation that was raised. The fort itself was where the courthouse is on the bluff from 1849 to 1853. Uh, the uh, Buffalo Soldiers were here. There, there was uh, the the uh, Ripley Arnold's cavalry was here, and so there was there was an op- fully operating fort for four years, and and then after the army moved west to Fort Griffin, the uh, the folks stayed and built a town. Man. 
historian Bud Kennedy, also food critic, what's the worst thing you've eaten of late? <laughs> I ate a $17 hamburger, and uh, I won't say where, but it was a steakhouse, and it was no more special than uh, than what you'd get at Fuddruckers or somewhere for a lot less. But I, I did have a roll it in peppercorns, which made it a little bit better, but it was you know, don't order $17 hamburgers unless you know they're really good. And I've never heard of a good 17 I ate the Big Texan in Amarillo twice. If you ever want me to fill in for one of your food columns, I can uh, critique the... Uh, I think I had to sign a waiver. If I lost, I would have to pay $90 or something. But, but Bud, it's it's a roast. I, they I, put I, under- I went to... I went to the Big Texan, but I did not even try to eat the, the uh, to eat the big steak. So I, you know, I, I I went, I saw. You see on the internet now, there are all these little scrawny kids who eat the big steak. But you know, I just I feel like I could, but uh, you know, I just see no need for further overindulgence. Well, look at you, your wisdom in age. <laughs> if I can say that without being insulting. Bur- yeah, burger. Burgers and chicken fried steak. I'd, I'd rather eat 72 steaks all over Texas. Well, if you ever need a week <laughs> off in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, let me know, and I will critique the steak because I've done it two times. And well, you know, I posted on – I have two pages. I have the regular Bud Kennedy Facebook and Twitter, and then I have Eats Beat is the name of the food column. And on the Eats Beat uh, Facebook page, which is Bud Kennedy's Eats, uh, there's a, a little – list of 11 great country steakhouses in texas like perini ranch down at buffalo gap and, mm-hmm. and the beehive in, in albany and the, the ranchman's in ponder it's a pretty good it's a good list of country steakhouses from elotes and, and uh, avenger and over in east texas cattlemen's out in favens and uh, so that, anyway that that's a good little place to look for for country steaks i've got a, a good little i've never been to the leona general store uh, between uh, Dallas and Houston. Now I've got it on my list to go to Leona. Well, it, I'm just saying, if you need somebody to fill in for you one week, something comes you'll, up. I'll you'll do, step up? Yeah, I'll do a I, little critique. I guess we'll say you step up to the plate? I, whenever they, yeah, <laughs> the big plate. Um, yeah. Whenever they say the gristle is optional, then um, you know what you're getting into. Bud <laughs> Kennedy, Fort Worth Star-Telegram, here with us. Bud, it's President's Day. Hey, happy President's Day. Some of the schools are in session here and some are not. What are they doing in Lubbock? No, I think they're pretty much all in session. But tell me, why don't we celebrate the uh, Republic of Texas President's Day? Well, you know, this holiday used to be two separate holidays. There was a, a Lincoln's birthday and a Washington's birthday, and they were combined sometime when I was a little boy. And... The irony about all this is that uh, neither Washington nor Lincoln was ever president over the uh, over the people of Texas. Uh, Lincoln actually was for about five days. That when the Confederacy um, surrendered, when Robert E. Lee surrendered, although there were still battles in Texas after that, uh, five it was five days later when Lincoln was assassinated. So Lincoln was Lincoln. Uh, Texas had already seceded when Lincoln was inaugurated in uh, 1861, and then he died five days after the Confederacy surrendered. So Washington, of course, everything that went on, we learn all about the American Revolution. You know, in Texas back then, we would have called that foreign news. 
we all were right. all under we were all under uh, we were all under Spanish rule and then under the rule of Mexico. Then the Republic of Texas came to be in 1836, and uh, and of course we we flip flopped. We came into the Union in 1845, left again, and then came back again. And uh, so the, the neither Lincoln nor Washington Lincoln for five days. That's that's the extent of Lincoln and Washington's presiding over Texas. Now we had our own presidents, Jay. People, I tell people, do you know all the presidents? And they think, oh yes, they know all the United States presidents, but. You know, the, the question is always, do you know the four presidents of Texas? Uh, you know, it's pretty important to know, the, to know that Texas had presidents. People can usually guess Sam Houston. Yeah. Well, then you have Mirabel Lamar. Yeah. We call Mirabel Lamar the father of Texas education. Everything we're arguing now about public schools, Mirabel Lamar was really, was really the, the, the guy who thought that education was important and, and, uh, and brought wanted Texas to bring public education to the people. Uh-huh. Uh, before Sam, there was there was David Burnett, who was the the interim president for Sam Houston, and then y'all you wrapped it up with Anson Jones. So it's, I, I win bets by saying that there was a President Jones, and people say no, 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 there was never, there's never been a President Jones in Texas. We had a President Jones. Is Anson named after Anson Jones? I believe so. Which would make for have you have you ever driven through Anson? Oh, the uh, the old joke about there's no dancing in Anson. You know the uh, the uh, Anson. I have a good friend, Mike Blackman, the the editor and and writer, and a very charming, wonderful man who's from Anson. And uh, I, I think he wrote a play while he was pumping gas at the gas station there. But Anson's a pretty small, interesting place. And. If you want to go anywhere, and if you want to drive through Anson, you got to go through this behemoth of a courthouse in the middle of town. I mean, right? It's got one of the. I mean, Texas has a lot of beautiful courthouses, but well, now you know. And, and Jones County is actually named for Anson Jones. Anson, okay, Anson's the uh, county seat, and so. And I believe that Jones County, Bud Kennedy. Now somebody's going to correct me and call me a heretic. I. Maybe they will, but I believe Jones County did not have a Republican County Party until 2012, after Charlie Sinholm and the redistricting went through, and then they had to scramble and figure something else out. Well, I don't see that mentioned. I do see that Jones County voted for Republicans for president, Uh, voted for Nixon in 1972, voted for... uh, uh, for Reagan and uh, and then voted for Bush in 1988. So they have voted for Republicans several times, but I'm not sure they had an organized county party. Well, look at that. You're doing some background work there is <laughs> Bud Kennedy. Uh, <laughs> Bud, tell me, yeah. uh, you've interviewed a couple of guys. I want to get into the Paxtons here in a minute. I'm going to start dubbing them the new Clintons of Texas, but... Uh, let's talk about SB2 for just a minute. You have interviewed Kelly Hancock, state senator there, and then Nathan Johnson last week. Tell us what you found out. You know, I'm, I contribute weekly to Inside Texas Politics on WFAA, the Tegna station in Dallas. And uh, that, that's at WFAA.com politics. You can watch replays of it. But our guests this last week were Kelly Hancock, the local state senator, from North Richland Hills, and Nathan Johnson, 
who succeeded Huffines over in Dallas. And, of course, Nathan Johnson is uh, very much against tax caps. And Kelly, being the chairman of uh, business and industry, is very much a supporter of, of Lieutenant Governor Patrick and, and pushing hard for it. It was interesting that right away they took the conversation to schools with Nathan saying, we should have done schools first, there's not enough in, the, in there for the schools. And Senator Hancock responding, well, there, there's all in there for the schools, you need to read the bill, there's plenty of money in there for the schools. And, um, you know, it was all this, this, uh, just instantly uh, the discussion of, uh, you know, school funding and, you know, is there enough school funding? And, and Senator Hancock, uh, of course, made the point, and I think some of this is true, uh, when they say, you know, it's not a tax cap, it's a trigger. Uh, it's been called a trigger in the past that it's like when you raise taxes more than 8% now, that triggers a local election. This would change that to 2.5% that if you raise taxes more than 2.5%, it would trigger a local election. So Kelly Hancock saying call it a tax trigger and not a cap and uh, pointing out, too, that it's not uh, it's not that hard of a cap because the voters can overturn it. The people uh, can go to can go to vote in a general election and, and raise taxes for anything hmm. they feel like it's, it's needed for. Uh, the big parts of the bill that everybody likes are the truth and taxation parts of the bill that, that you make that tax notice that you see in the in the newspapers or or online a little simpler and easier to understand where people know honestly exactly how much the government's raising their taxes and how much they'll be out of pocket. Hmm. So you listen to that, do you think the trigger argument stands? I think it's a it's a fairly good argument. I mean, if the, the voters can overturn it with a two and a half, maybe we should call it a, a tax trigger, although we, we have really uh, got tax cap has become the lingo now, and it, it applies so broadly to, you know, any large government um, that, that uh, we've started calling it tax caps. I, I would hate to to change it in the middle of everything, but it really does trigger an election if you want to raise it more than 2.5%. If you have a new uh, city or county police effort, if Lubbock wants to add 15 more police officers or add a special investigations team and wants to raise taxes to do it, then they can submit it and the voters can approve it. Yeah, Bud Kennedy, Fort Worth Star-Telegram, as we carry along here, um, state... Senator Angela Paxton, wife of indicted Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, out of your neck of the woods. There are no woods here. There's just mesquite trails from Charles Goodnight. But (laughs) over in your neck of the woods, has filed a bill to legalize the financial crime her husband was charged with. But let's take this from level one. Tell us what the attorney general is charged with and what angela paxton's proposal would do well the um, the attorney general not only is, is criminally charged but has also already confessed and paid a civil fine for uh practicing a, a financial consulting without you know being licensed to do so, mm-hmm. so um and and he uh he, he signed an agreement, a plea agreement, saying, yes, I did it. He paid a fine, and he faces criminal charges for the same thing. The catch about this, people talk that our attorney general is you know, operating and doing all this while he's out on felony bond, but 
the fact of the matter is, since that law was passed, making it a crime and a criminal penalty, no one in Texas had ever been charged with it until Ken Paxton. So the, the, all the other people who have, fought, who have paid civil penalties, no one was ever charged with a crime. Ken Paxton is being charged with a crime for something he's already paid the civil penalty for. Now, that's the, the Ken Paxton point to make. Now, that what Angela Paxton now is doing is submitting a bill that would allow a window, say that under new, because of new technology, Texas can experiment with a uh, some some special uh, you know apps and, and financial tools, and that people who aren't financial planners should be allowed to experiment with a narrowly selected group of financial tools and and, uh, and sell it or promote it without fear of being arrested for uh, for doing financial planning without a license. So basically, the Angela's bill would legalize, uh, you know, in a small way, uh, people who aren't financial planners to do financial planning. It is something of the same thing that right now is a crime. Is this going to be like one of those laws that's written in like some tragic instance, like so-and-so's law? Is this going to become Ken's law for Angela Paxson? I really don't think this is going to become law. I think Angela has a lot of support in the Senate. I think that that she could probably get something uh, passed if the if it were less blatant. But I don't see how even the Texas Senate can do something that so blatantly uh, is written to to affect one one industry and and uh, and it doesn't get Ken off the hook. I mean, it doesn't automatically. Uh, dismiss charges against Ken or anything like this, but it looks a little too narrowly targeted. We have this all the time in Texas. We send uh, professional people to Texas and they write bills for their own industry. The veterinarians write the veterinary bills. The insurance agents write the insurance bills. And in this case, the, the uh, Angela's an education professional, has been a teacher, but, uh, but uh, you know, she's Ken's wife and she's submitting a bill about financial planning. Um, it is uh, one of those ugly little conflicts of interest that takes place every year in Texas. Yeah, um, but can I ask you a personal question? As far as I know, but yeah. sure. Well, I, it's a food and personal question. Last night we put together a shrimp boil at the house. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little early for Mardi Gras. Well, but we just did it last night. What's the key to making a good shrimp boil? You know, I am not a cook. I am a experienced, lifelong restaurant customer. And what I know about food, I am lucky enough to know because when people say, what did your daddy do in the war? My daddy was a mess cook. Uh, my, when the, uh, the landing in World War II when, when the, the great division landing at Anzio under fire on the beaches of Italy, you know, my father was the one who had to, you know, bring the mess ashore and, and uh, clatter on with the pots and pans while they were under gunfire. And by the end of World War II, he'd been promoted up. And at the end of the war, people say, what was your, where was your dad when the war ended? My father baked pies. He was the pie chef for General Clark. And so he was a good cook. And so my, one of the great father-son bonding of my life was that every week we went and bought all the groceries. He taught me everything about the, the groceries, how to pick the best pork chops, 
how to pick the best vegetables, which brands had which kind of flavors of, of, uh, of products. And then he brought it all home for my mother to cook because he thought that she should do the cooking. So I never learned how to cook. So, But I definitely have learned how to eat, and I have other people who help me when it comes time to talk about the cooking. I would not pr- pretend to advise you on a shrimp boil, but I could take you to some good seafood replacement. Well, if you find somebody good, let me know. And uh, I, I told my wife this morning while we were cleaning all that up out of the fridge so it didn't stink for days, the shrimp boil always sounds like the best great idea. But in it's almost like Texas politics. In theory, it sounds like a great idea. But once it's a day old, it sounds a lot worse. So It looks like a big project to me, and I'm grateful to those other people who take that on a so that we can enjoy it. Bud Kennedy, you're always great. We appreciate you here. Thank you. Bud Kennedy, at Bud Kennedy on Twitter. We'll talk to you next time, buddy. Thank you. Bud Kennedy, love that guy. Going to get in with some Dotre. Matt Dotre coming up here on the other side. Stay right where you are. Don't turn that dial. Can I get you Make yourself at home. I'm looking out, searching for something that I still care about. I'm looking up to the sky. Fire on the mountain, gonna let it burn so high. In studio with us now is the youngest intrepid reporter. Can I call you the youngest? I don't think so. I'm getting up there. Really? I'm 28. The youngest intrepid reporter okay. at the Lubbock Avalanche <laughs> Journal, Matt Dotre. Hello. In with us on a Monday. How you doing, Matt Dotre? I'm pretty good. I'm cold, but I'm good. It's cold outside. Is it going to snow? No, I think they're saying no now. They're I don't saying think so. Zero to one inches. Oh, really? Which means it's going to snow five inches. Okay, yeah. I need to get the cylinder blocks <laughs> out in the back of my truck. Out in the back of the range. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. So, how things been going? Everything's good. Uh, I think the last time you and I were in here last Monday with County Judge Curtis Parrish, was that last Monday? That was, yes. Yeah. Um, pushing a bond election for May and a lot of feedback now that maybe you guys should hold off till November. What do you make of all this rigmarole? You think they should hold off or just go forward? Well, so they are going forward with it. They approve that, um, and it's it's officially on the ballot. When did they approve it? Um, I want to say the Monday the we Monday were of. with the judge. So right, right. And that's Chad, really... Chad C. Mm-hmm. and Corley, who but, are opposing. Yes, yes. And but, their argument was to bump it back to November. Right. But the other three saying, right. let's go forward. Right, and there had been so, there's been quite a bit of talk, I guess... Uh, mostly on the radio about um, the county judge uh, during those previous county judge debates when he was running he was talking about how he wouldn't um, he was against a bond election for Woodrow Road and and I uh, I don't know if you saw I wrote about this on Sunday something that didn't make the peace was when I I kind of asked the judge about that and I mean make of this what you will his argument was that um during that debate, he said he wasn't in favor of a bond election for strictly Woodrow Road. His argument was that um, people in Idaloo or Shallow Water 
you know, there. Or Abernathy. Or Abernathy, okay. Don't let me, <laughs> don't let me get too self-interested sure. here. Um, you know, shouldn't be flipping the bill for Woodrow Road. Now this is more of a countywide, bigger scope but bond Woodrow, election. Woodrow's so make like of that what you will. a third of it. Right. You're exactly right. Yeah, about $35 million of the $100 million bond. Yeah, it's yeah. about a third of it for sure. That's the biggest chunk, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that was... Uh, you know, along those lines, that was kind of pretty, you know. pretty divisive issue because of the way. Let's get into some some Lubbock talk for just a minute. Lubbock's grown so much to the south that Woodrow Road is a problem. For it's a lot of congestion. Mm-hmm. It'd be kind of like dropping your kids off at Monterey or Coronado, and it being a one lane road. Except it's in the county. I mean, this is my understanding the biggest project that the county is ever has ever really had to pursue right which is why but it's you, kind of you know what grinds my gears about this uh, is that i don't know who the guy was that missed that the line of demarcation i believe is at 98th street mm-hmm. for lisd for lubbock independent school district but somebody missed it and missed it bad and everybody's picked up on it so that everything south at least to the eastern part of town is going to be cooper and then everything on the western portion is going to be friendship really and i don't know who missed out on that but they did and then the developers by and large Mm -hmm. and i'm not demonizing i'm not Angelizing. I'm not doing anything here, but saying somebody missed on this. And whenever they line, laid down that line of demarcation, so now there's. What do you all, mean missed? Missed in what way? Well, missed that there was all this potential growth out in South Lubbock, in all directions, South Lubbock. Right. And so whenever you miss on that, what you miss is the opportunity for road projects for putting in neighborhoods without cross streets without mm-hmm. your flints your bostons your cantons detroit's elgins etc right. i should say boston and flint uh, specifically right. well well you could yeah you could easily make the argument and the city has been trying to play catch up for the past few years with that comprehensive plan there's been no land use plan for the longest time and everyone seemed to just kind of be winging it for the longest time but we now, didn't really know where those major thoroughfares were going but we didn't know where those large developments were going where they needed things there was like, no massive like bike plan. lanes or traffic stops no, or put, throw bike lanes out there <laughs> because you'd be an idiot to ride your bike down woodrow road but <laughs> yeah the point being that it was just kind of, hey, we're going to take it as it comes yeah. for 25 years. Right. But now the city's saying, now we're doing master planning. Now we're going to decide what's going to go on out there. And you're going to pay for your sewage lines. You're going to pay for water. You're going to pay for these cross streets. Right. Right. And then, yeah, they're trying to do that um, kind of those development agreements now, too. And that's we're years away from that. But they're also going to be trying How to How many years? Have, uh, I think... I don't even think they've gotten the ball rolling, really. But after that, I think it's a two-year process, a two- or three-year process. Once it becomes official, then it's Yeah, two years? I'm not too purviewed to the So maybe a decade? 
no, probably like three years is what I'm usually okay. told. The impact fees is the word I'm looking for. Because yeah, exactly, it is impact fees, and that's where I hear my barber, Mari Stanley, saying, "Take care of what you have." Right. Take care of what. You well, have. there's a tr- there's a real fear that you know, like 50th Street is is kind of becoming the new 34th Street because everything is just moving so far south. How do you how do we take care of 50th Street now? Mm-hmm. And I don't know how. You, you know what? Something I've always been in favor. So, um. I live in Tech Terrace, and you, you, you know it, it, it was hey, Lowe's. Dude, don't come in here showing us how many dimes you got. <laughs> I rent in Tech Terrace. Okay, <laughs> right. go ahead. Um, th- they have that little community shop where it was Lowe's. Now it's Food King, and then they have Capital Pizza, which is a disaster. Can that. we talk about the disaster that is Food King for just a minute? Sure, please. Uh, you don't have to. Because well, I miss Lowe's. It is a disaster. Right. The people who own Lowe's decided to go with the Food King model. Mm-hmm. Complete and total disaster. Can't even push your cart in there. Food so King. Much. Food King's not an advertiser. I take it. No, <laughs> they're terrible. <laughs> uh, I kind of agree. And if anybody bomb throws it tonight, it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's terrible. I'm not the biggest Food King fan either. And this is really getting in, <laughs> into the weeds. Their aisles are too long. If you're looking for something, long or yeah, too narrow, long and narrow. But if you're looking for something and you commit to look down one aisle, you're stuck there for the next thirty yards. It's ridiculous. Mm. Anyway, so I, I always felt like it, but the beer aisle isn't as long, right? And the it's be- like twenty for sure, right? Okay. Not that uh, somebody told me that. I was just gonna bring yeah. it up. Here. Well, I was just gonna say, the, the bigger Lubbock gets, I always thought that it would kind of create its own community pockets where. Then you had more things in walking distance, like a grocery store in walking distance or, you know, a pizza shop or a laundromat. Everything kind of in walking distance. I feel like Lubbock is getting to that point where then it kind of splits off into its own little community hubs to where you don't have to drive 10 minutes every time you wanted to go to the grocery store. You know, I just feel like Lubbock needs to start but preparing that way. But the terrace was developed intentionally that way. Yeah. They never wanted commercial interests in there. I don't know how Lowe's got in there, but yeah, yeah I'm good sure question. there was a fight against it. Right. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Okay. So, more coming up with our friend Matt Dotre. Going to go to a quickie break. Don't turn that dial. We'll be right back with you here on the other side. Dotre in studio, red light going on a little bit before he was expecting it to go on. Uh, Dotre, you've been working on the Regents. What's happening? And is Rick Francis going to be reappointed? What's happening? Very little has happened, at least in kind of the public eye. So I, there's a meeting this week. Is what I, they're just Regents just a, a, yeah a regular board of regents yeah. meeting and they're going to serve as holdover appointments. They're just officially holdover appointments for the time being. For the time they could still come up before the end of session. Yes, yeah, and then it would have to go to the Senate. Um, but you know, no word of that yet. Yeah, I'm um, getting a text about the history of the Food King. 
Yeah. Uh, and get into that here in just a minute. But you don't know if he's going to be a holdover for the next two years or not? That I don't know. No. You would have to think that big money brass like Mr. Hodge in Amarillo had a beat on that before they gave their $10 million because he pulled it out because of Francis in the first place. Right. Uh, it was in, the important phrase you just said was in the public purview. Exactly. Yeah. So you don't... We'd, so what are your, your so what you're saying is you don't think Mr. Hodge would have given back the money unless he knew Francis was out? Is that what you're? Cause, what I appreciate Mr. Ho- about Mr. Hodge is that he's a snake in the grass like I am. Like <laughs> you listen to my drawl and then you listen to what I have to say at the rate. Like there are people, honestly, there are people who listen to this podcast of this show which you can download anywhere a podcast can be found, by the way, hmm. uh, who listen to it at one and a half times speed because the criticism I get is you talk too slow. My roommate does that. He listens to all his podcasts at one and a half speed. Maybe it's just all podcasts. Yeah, he does like, it to all of them. I think people make an intentional point to say to me, I listen it to one and a half times speed just to get through what you have to say. <laughs> okay, fair. Um, but Mr. Hodge, uh, he... He seems to me, uh, that's why I think we like each other so much. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of see through the veneer, see through what's going on. I don't want to say I have no knowledge that he knew what was going on or knew what would happen. But it's hard for me to believe he'd commit $10 million and know that that Rick Francis, because he launched Unless, a whole episode called firefrancis.com. Right, right, but the basis of that ep- of that wasn't I feel like Francis himself, it was the idea and the mission of the vet school. At the time, we didn't know if everyone on the board of regents was in favor of the vet school in Amarillo. At the time, it was it it, it looked from the outside that the regents were going to have to pick a dental school in El Paso and a vet school in Amarillo. And that was the source of contention. So maybe, maybe Mr. Hodge was assured, which the chancellor has been, chancellor Mitchell has been very vocal about that. Everyone on the board of regents um, is moving full speed ahead with all these priorities, including Uh, yeah, the vet school and the dental school. Maybe he, maybe Mr. Hodge was just reassured that. Hmm. I don't know. See, that's the Lubbock <laughs> rub we like you bringing. Here's the text. Lowe's was a Furs supermarket. The Plaza Center across the street was developed along the curvy streets to the south. I think it was a Homer Maxi development. I thought the Metropolitan Planning Organization was responsible for traffic planning in the county, Matt Dotre. Are they not? Who monitors traffic in the county? Because it would be a hard county to monitor traffic on. Right. My understanding is the county does. So the MPO is almost this like collective group made up of people from the city, the county, um, TxDOT, from every city. So the city of Lubbock, the city of Wolferth. Mm-hmm. Um, New and- home. <laughs> New home, exactly. <laughs> I don't know if they have a board spot. Maybe they do, but and then and the MPO strictly is uses federal dollars. 
Um, that's all federal money. So they just, you know, and they look for matches, which is what's happening right now with the, because uh, uh, they already started the design and engineering of Woodrow Road, and that's 80% MPOs paying for it, 20% the county's paying for it. And the MPO just uses federal money. Let me just throw something That's out. That's a lot. That's, let, me, let me throw something out for just a second. Wrote a piece this week in your paper, the Amarillo Globe no- News, Politics of Place. Have you ever seen the friendship road that runs along between the school and the football field? Used to be two lanes. You know, it turned into four lanes. The Friendship Road? I call it the Friendship Road. I think other people do as well. Okay. It used to be two lanes to a, what was a very growing school district whenever I was growing up in mm-hmm. the 90s. 80s and 90s, two-lane road, fast-growing area. You know how much the MPO paid on that? Zero. Hmm. You know how much other people paid on that? Zero. You know who paid for it? The state of Texas under State Senator Bob Duncan. No comment necessary from you. (laughs) I just think it's important to say that there was a a point in time where we needed a four-lane road and it got handled down in Austin. Well, is it a a highway? It was never put on a bond. I don't know if it's state highway or not. That's beside the point. Well, I don't think the state's going to pay for, like... I do think that Woodrow is, well, it is, it's definitely county, but I think that the state would have an interest in a fast-growing area. Right. Like a county. I'm not looking to find a reason to take a swipe at the senator, but there have been projects like this before that were taken care of by the senator. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts? Well, so I guess... From my understanding, Woodrow Road is not a highway. So maybe in order... <laughs> it's far, no, I don't have any thoughts. It's Farm Market Road 41. <laughs> was that you talking or was that your editor? <laughs> Matt Dotre. Uh, it's Kansas week. Are you ready? I am ready, yeah. Uh, do you have any superstitions that you take up over the course of the week? Matt Dotre, huge Texas Tech fan. Thanks, yeah. Is there anything you're going to do differently this week? I don't think so. I'll just continue pacing around, you know, in preparation, being stressed out. A league-defining week. Yeah, this is a big one. A whiteout, too. Um, we both I don't have... Ca- I'm going to wear red just because you said that. Okay. <laughs> uh, we both have a week to prep. It'll be good. It'll be a good one. Do you know what the line is on the game? You a better? Uh, no. I don't know what You're the line is. Too. No. You don't have that kind of cash flow. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> no insults. Just saying. Just a little jab. All not, right. Not looking at voting lines. Why don't you just go by Don Williams' desk tomorrow and ask him? Okay. You know, let's just say I had a thousand dollars. What would I do at this game? Okay. All right. <laughs> I would think that Kansas comes in three-point favorites. No, we'll be favored. You think what? I think we were based on those weird advanced metrics everyone cites. I think we were supposed to be favored in every game but the last one against Iowa That's State. That's what they said in the football season, too. Hmm. Yeah, I know that changes every week. No, that but turned out. Heck, I think I read that we've run won the last three games by an average no. of 24 points. It wasn't the football games. It was before we went on that three-game skid. Right. Oh, Tech's going to win every other game Yeah. in conference.
Yes. Right. You watch baseball? Sure. For sure. You go to watch tech baseball? I'll go to a couple. Yeah. Yeah. When we can snag tickets, for sure. But that's, Again, that's I'm more hard ex- for you because it's in the afternoon. Right. But they have some deadlines. Saturday games. We'll go to some Saturday games. Uh-huh. I didn't go to any this weekend against When's Oregon. your work done? Do you get done? You got everything submitted on Friday and then go back in on Monday? That's usually the plan, right? Yep. But we, we're, we've we been pretty short, so I work uh, a Saturday every once in a while. And then if I can't, I usually try to have a, uh, a longer piece in Sunday. So if I just give up on that on Saturday, sometimes I have to go in on or if I give up on it on Friday, I have to go in on Saturday and finish writing yeah. it. But the goal is to have weekends off, for sure. At M. Dotre AJ, mm-hmm. there on your Twitter. And uh, how old are you again, Matt? 28. 28. Looking good for 28, Thanks. Buddy. I appreciate that. That was uh, that was. I didn't give you a glance other than just say you look good. <laughs> okay. Look good for All 28. Right. <laughs> I look that good at 28. Don't get up and leave. It's it's not weird. Not man crush weird. Hey, uh, tomorrow on the program, we got uh, Wes Rappaport. Also, our friends Barbara and Jim Miles, who just won a big case against, you've heard about this railway that wants to go in, this train railway that wants to go in a uh, super fast train railway that wants to go in from Dallas to Houston. In Leon County, Barbara and Jim Miles won a case this week. It's looking like they aren't going to be able to do it. And uh, we've had them on the program before. We're going to hear from them tomorrow uh, on their case and where it stands. And then get in with our friend Wes Rappaport reports. Ross Ramsey on your Wednesday, coming up on your Thursday and Friday. Erica Greeter of the Houston Chronicle and our friend For Price state representative up in Amarillo gonna go home gotta get home hear my 11 year old gripe about her brand new basketball goal and my 5 year old say bam it because that's a safe way of saying what what he heard his dad say about the basketball construction there on Sunday so until then, I hope you rave on, buddies. Rave on. We'll see you next edition of Other Side of Texas. Got a head, I got a